Early in December 2003, New York's Museum of Modern Art ran a season of films titled The Hidden God. The Hidden God is an idea that dates from the 12th century, when Thomas Aquinas wrote Deus Absconditus, the idea that God is unknowable by the human mind. The museum's proposed list of films included such theologically centred works as Roberto Rossellini's The Flowers of St. Francis, Carl Dreyer's Day of Wrath, Louis Bunuel's Nazarene and Ingmar Bergman's The Silence. But when the museum's curator U.T. Jensen totted up the films suggested by their visitors, the number one title that came back was Harold Ramos's Groundhog Day. Really? A fantasy rom-com about a conceited weatherman who spends his time trying to bet his station producer? That is about the hidden god. You see, around about the same time Aquinas was writing Deus Absconditus, the very first European clocks were being made, and Christian theologians began using the analogy of a clockmaker to explain God's design of the universe. Now, how often do you see a clock in Groundhog Day? Come on, boys, you're playing yesterday's tape. not just Christianity. Consult your local Buddhist monk and you will learn that Groundhog Day illustrates samsara, the continuing cycle of rebirth regarded as a suffering from which humans must try to escape. However, within Buddhist teaching, nobody ever imagines they are going to escape samsara, until everyone else does. That is why you have Bodhisattva, an individual who reaches the brink of nirvana and stops and comes back to save the rest of us. Grandiose as it may sound, Bill Murray's Phil Connors is the Bodhisattva. He is not going to abandon the world. On the contrary, he is released back into the world to redeem it. You know, you want a prediction about the weather. You're asking the wrong Phil. I'll give you a winter prediction. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last you for the rest of your life. The idea of a heaven-sent individual come to save the world can be found in the Messianic faiths, the origins of which are to be found in Judaism. Ask a rabbi and you will be told that Phil Connors is not so much trapped living the same day over and over as he is returned to earth to perform mitzvahs, good deeds. Phrased like that, Buddhism sounds uncannily similar to Judaism. And the similarities continue when we learn that Talmudic teaching has Phil Connors ceaselessly performing mitzvahs and constantly improving himself, because that is the only way the world would be perfected. For Hindus, you have Jivan Mukti, a term that refers to a released person, one who has acquired self-knowledge, an inner sense of freedom, while still being alive. 
and yet, for all that theology or spirituality, Groundhog Day never sits itself at an altar or preaches from on high. No one comes down and issues any formal command. And as a consequence, Phil Connors has no clue as to why his day is repeating. In other words, when he gets to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, God is hidden. I'm sorry, what was that again? I'm a God. You're a God. I'm a God, I'm not the God, I don't think. Because you survived a car wreck? You folks ready to order? I didn't just survive a wreck. I wasn't just blown up yesterday. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Oh, really? And every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender, I am an immortal. Special today is blueberry waffles. Why are you telling me this? Because I want you to believe in me. You're not a god. You can take my word for it. This is 12 years of Catholic school talking. Groundhog Day began as a spec script written by Danny Rubin, who, prior to a career in Hollywood, had spent several years working in small theatre companies, children's television and industrial films, or in today's terms, corporate videos. Rubin's original idea for Groundhog Day was for it to be an experimental story about a man living the same day over and over and over. It's not all that far from two classics of European art cinema. From 1961, you have Alan Rene's Last Year at Marienbad, a truly enigmatic picture in which a man, X, encounters a woman, A, whom he claims to have met the previous year at a health spa. Conversations and entire scenes are repeated as X continues to approach A with the same question. Did we meet last year? On and on this goes until the film eventually finishes, having successfully avoided answering the question. In 1962, Louis Bunuel's The Exterminating Angel took place at a lavish dinner party where, for some inexplicable reason, the guests try, but repeatedly fail, to leave. After a number of weeks being trapped, they reenact their first night in the mansion and succeed in escaping. Grateful for their salvation, they go to a cathedral, only to find their original ordeal beginning to play out once more. So you might say that Rubin conceived of the story as a highly experimental art movie that pointedly refused to ever explain why things have gone awry, which would have separated from many mainstream fantasies such as Penny Marshall's Big, Tom Shadyak's Liar Liar, Nancy Myers What Women Want, the Farrelly Brothers' Shallow Hal, Frank Haraci's Click, or even Richard Donner's Scrooged, which also starred Bill Murray, this time as a heartless TV executive experiencing a 1980s version of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Oh my gosh, does that suck? You, you know who loves Mary Lou Retton Frank? My kids. Yeah. Children love an acrobat. Oh, God. We have spent $40 million on a live TV show. You guys have got an ad with America's favorite old fart reading a book in front of a fireplace. Now, I have to kill all of you. You can purchase Rubin's original script from Kindle. It is under the name How to Write Groundhog Day. And in the package, you will also receive the author's notes in the form of hyperlinks, revealing how his original idea was gradually changed into the movie that was eventually released in 1993. Here is Rubin at the Austin Film Festival in 2015, talking about his experiences. The movie that I wrote was not really a studio Hollywood movie. It 
did not conform to romantic comedy um, conventions. It wasn't designed to be a formula movie. It was designed to be something else. And I thought it was very successful. Basically, when I um, sent it around uh, to get it produced or looked at or whatever, everybody called me in for a meeting, and nobody wanted to produce it. In fact, what they said to me was, I loved Groundhog Day. Of course we can't make it. Ruben's script landed on the desk of Harold Ramis, who had achieved huge success early in his career as a writer of Animal House, Meatballs, Caddyshack, Stripes, and the biggest one of all, Ghostbusters. Ramis had acted in several of those titles, as well as having directed a few of them. So, when he read Ruben's script, he felt qualified to suggest a number of things that needed to be changed. Most crucially, the setup. In Ruben's script, there was no setup. It begins smack bang in the middle of all the repetition. And that repetition never ends. Tomorrow never comes. The story just stops. It is impossible to tell whether Ruben's script would have worked as well as Ramos's rewrite. But in 2005, the Writers Guild of America held a survey amongst its members and Groundhog Day was placed 27th on the list of 101 best screenplays ever produced. Here is Ruben recalling his experiences rewriting with Harold Ramos. One of the things that, uh, that Harold had told me was that we're not going to change the beginning. I love that it begins in the middle. And um, cut to <laughs> uh, a few months into development and one of his uh, associates, Whitney White, says, you know, we miss kind of going through the process with Phil and having him discover the day and discover the repetition. I think that would be fun. Let's try that. And so then we started backing it up a little bit at a time, at first cautiously, just the night before when they're pulling into Punxsutawney. And then we say, oh, let's give it a little bit more. And it started with him driving to Pittsburgh, getting in the van. And that's the way the, the film started at shooting. And they had to go back and shoot a new beginning because they decided to push it all the way back to the TV station. Fun in Punxsutawney, Phil. For your information, Hairdo, there is a major network interested in me. Yeah, that would be the Home Shopping Network. Another way to view Groundhog Day is through the perspective of the ancient Greek myth of Sisyphus. The myth of Sisyphus had the king rolling a boulder up a hill. At the point where he has reached the top, he pauses in exhaustion and the rock rolls all the way back down to the bottom, and he must start over again. Sisyphus was condemned to repeat this task for all of eternity. Now, the conventional interpretation of Sisyphus's chore is that it represents all our lives. Backbreaking, endless, and ultimately futile. And we poor humans are all but day players in this cosmic joke. But I think Groundhog Day offers a different slant. I think Groundhog Day is about hope. When Chekhov saw the long winter. He saw a winter bleak and dark and bereft of hope. Yet we know that winter is just another step in the cycle of life. But standing here among the people of Punxsutawney and basking in the warmth of their hearths and hearts, I couldn't imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter. From Punxsutawney, it's Phil Connors. So long. 
Groundhog Day is a portrait of a man trapped by his own narcissism. Ruben's plot structure of repetition comes to represent Phil's arrested development and his inability to connect with those around him. Think about it. Phil's chance to break free from that, redo, live over, and thus learn from his experience, symbolises the reparative possibilities of everyday life. Phil rises each day wishing, hoping that this day will be different, that this day will be the day his world changes. This day is the day things will improve. This day is the day he will succeed. But then again, perhaps I'm trapped in my own narcissistic loop of interpretation. Early in December 2003, New York's Museum of Modern Art ran a season of films titled The Hidden God. The Hidden God is an idea that dates from the 12th century, when Thomas Aquinas wrote Deus Absconditus, the idea that God is unknowable by the human mind. The museum's proposed list of films included such theologically centred works as Roberto Rossellini's The Flowers of St. Francis, Carl Dreyer's Day of Wrath, Louis Bunuel's Nazarene and Ingmar Bergman's The Silence. But when the museum's curator, Jutta Jensen, totted up the films suggested by their visitors, the number one title that came back was Harold Ramis' Groundhog.